there's going to be negative people. There's going to be people that are going to try to discourage you that will tell you it's too difficult. It's not a route for you. You're too this, you're too that. You're not enough of something to be what you want to be. And I would say completely block all that out, block all up, all the noise out because you truly know what is meant for you and your destiny. Welcome to MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Zam. Um, she's a med student, and we're just really excited to have her on the podcast. She's doing all kinds of incredible things, writing books. She has her own podcast. She's a, a, a plethora of knowledge to share, so we're really excited to have her. My name is Zamarud Amini, but I go by Zam for short. Um, just to make it easy for everyone, I am a current medical student. I'm in my first year transitioning to my second year of medicine, and I'm in my MD program at AUA College of Medicine in Antigua. I'm originally from California, so Northern California, uh, born and raised. I am a first-generation Afghan-American. So my family, actually, they were refugees that fled Afghanistan to come to America and just, you know, provide a better life for their children. I'm very grateful to be here, to have the opportunity to, you know, practice, study medicine, and just really be an amazing physician one day that I hope to, you know, contribute to the community and to society as a whole. Yeah, I love it. When you said your parents fled from Afghanistan, at what age did they, they leave you? I know you said you were born in California. And so how many brothers, sisters do you have? And tell us a little bit about like your family and how old they were when they fled. Parents, when they fled Afghanistan, this was about probably 30 plus years ago. So I was born and raised here in uh, California, but I don't know their exact age, but I know that, you know, they were still young and you know under middle age so so they were young they fled afghanistan i know when they fled it was a very dangerous time so this was right after the russian invasion when the taliban regime had just come in to afghanistan and a lot of people you know they they were trying to flee but there was no there were no opportunities for them to actually get out of the country so back then before prior to war um, it was a very difficult time for people to actually leave the country. And so I just remember stories of my mom telling me how they were literally on like rubble. They were like, she was on rubble with, you know, her younger siblings and they were, they were babies still. And their faces were against rubble on the floor because they would hear um, tall, like the Taliban with their machine guns on trucks passing by them. So they had to like smash themselves across the floor just so they wouldn't be seen and I remember she told me she saw her father and he had tears run you know rolling down his eyes it gets me a little emotional because um you know that was a time where they thought they might not be able to make it so me being here is very you know uh an amazing opportunity and I really thank my parents for that and my mom and dad my mom went back when she came here. She did go back to school for pharmacy. She got her degree. She practiced pharmacy tech and years along the lines. And she did it all on her own, 4.0 student. Like, I'm very proud of her. And then my father, he's been the breadwinner, the provider for the family. Like, without him, I would not be in medical school right now. He's been my support for that. And my brothers, so I have no sisters. Um, I'm the only girl. And I have a twin brother. And then I have two older brothers. 
And honestly, they're talking about them. You guys can probably tell I'm just like smiling, glowing because they really are my world. My family is my backbone and my brothers, all three of them, they have been such a support for me being in medical school. I mean, for a lot of you guys, for those who are in medical school or who want to pursue any type of medicine or even healthcare, when you're away from your family, it gets very difficult at times and you really need like that support to be like, hey, you got this, you're doing amazing, we're proud of you, keep going, you're gonna be an amazing doctor. So that's been like the main thing that really keeps me going more too because all of them are just like, if you need anything, we're here for you. Um, so, you know, my three brothers, they went and got their, uh, they're all master's degree graduates and up there in their careers. My oldest brother has his uh, family and my, my little five-year-old niece, which is my world. So they're doing amazing for themselves and I'm, I'm truly proud of them. So I'm trying to now, you know, for me, they're my role models. All of them are my role models. So I need to live up to what they're doing. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job. I, I know we're going to get into all the awesome stuff you're involved in, but I have to ask, because you are a twin, are you the baby baby? Like, were you born after or were you first? My brother, he was born 11 minutes before me. So I'm the baby. <laughs> I, I can relate because I'm the only girl in my family too. In the middle, I have two brothers, and uh, but I'm the only girl. So there is some benefit. <laughs> yes, exactly. You get a little bit of special, a little bit of extra love when you're the only girl. <laughs> Yes, I can relate to that. I would love to hear um, about why you chose medicine, um, how how this kind of came to be for you. When you write a personal statement for medical school, that one of the interview questions they ask you is why medicine, and um, they. I remember I would always be told, don't say because I want to help people because that's such a cliche statement. They would always like, I would read everywhere before I did my research. What should I say? What I shouldn't say? And, um, you know, just to have an idea of how to walk into a medical school interview. And I remember they would always say, don't say the usual statement. I want to help people. But the truth is, intrinsically, that's why I chose medicine, because for me, I feel like growing up, I was always, and maybe it has to do with being first gen Afghan American and seeing my parents really, um, they they sacrificed everything for their children. So for me, it's it's more like, okay, I want to one day take care of them and give back to them. And, and everyone, you know, they get older with time and I want to be able to take care of them physically, not just, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but I want to one day provide to them and that's one of the reasons, but the other reason was just medicine, I feel like was my calling. Um, when I was a child, my mom told me that I would always say like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. So I guess since then, it just really stuck with me. I, I was fascinated and I really respect like the healthcare field, um, doctors in general. Uh, we had an amazing pediatrician growing up and my mom, she has rheumatoid arthritis, so she's had it since age 33. So for her, like seeing her, being with her at almost every appointment, seeing her talk to a rheumatologist and kind of what they could have done versus what they did provide her, I feel like there would there could have been a lot more preventative measures with her RA if the physician was just a little bit more keen on how to prevent her RA from progressing. So I feel like that was a big part of why I wanted to do it too, because we need more people in healthcare that genuinely like care about their patients. 
Yes, I I can tell you as someone who has parents who have a lot of health problems that the care that comes from a doctor or a nurse or any healthcare provider really that shows that care and that empathy and wants to help ease that suffering or ease that pain or help heal someone it's not something that you can teach it's not something that you can read about in a book and understand like it's just it's in you to want to just better the world and to better the quality of life for people and so I really admire that quality in you and it's one of the reasons why um, I had to have you on the podcast because I can tell you're a very empathetic um, very giving very loving person and we do need more people like you out there um, helping people and saving people and just giving them hope that they don't have to live the way that they're living. Thank you so much for your kind words. It's it's words like that that motivate me to keep, you know, going and like cuz we all all have adversity obviously and even in medical school it's it's not easy any type of schooling for anyone their careers like it's all a journey and for me I get fueled by when I hear things like positive things. Some people get fueled by negativity, I get fueled by positivity because uh, it reminds me of what I'm doing right and what I need to continue to do. And I believe that we're all deserving of high quality care. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the consistency thing. I think that's how we actually create real change. I think about that in my in my own life when I'm trying to create a change or a habit or um, just make, make my life better. I start with really small steps and I say, you know, consistency is the key. That's how we change. That's how we get results. It's not about making massive leaps. It's about staying consistent and then adding to that consistency with just a little bit more and a little bit more. And if you can just improve yourself every day by 1%, then eventually, you know, you're just going to keep expediting that into a, a greater version of you. Exactly. That's well said. I love that. <laughs> I, I, um, I, so I want to talk a little bit about how this process has been like for you, because I know that you're out of the country in medical school. So I kind of want to hear what, what was this path like from college to applying to med school and why you chose where you chose and just kind of give us for everyone watching and listening, who maybe wants to take a similar path, why you chose it and how that kind of worked for you. Yes. So for me, my journey of medicine, I feel like since it's a very demanding field, I feel like, first off, this is a disclaimer, I don't want anyone to ever feel like my journey is, you know, their journey needs to be exactly like mine or vice versa. I feel like when you're in the healthcare field, and as a pre-med student, so for those pre-meds out there, or for medical students out there, you're going to have a sense of imposter syndrome. You're going to feel like you're not worthy. You're going to feel like, oh, am I smart enough? Am I not? That's very common. That's a normal feeling. Um, it doesn't mean that it should. you should continue feeling like that. It's just something that you kind of overcome day by day. And you're like, you know what? I'm worthy. I'm here. I'm intelligent. I'm doing this for the right reason. So for me, medicine has been a, a long journey. It took time for me to be where I'm at. And I can... Uh, humbly and proudly say that because at one point I think I was so into like oh my gosh I need to when COVID hit it put a delay on uh, my medical schooling so I feel like at that point in time I was so into oh I need to be in medical school I need to be in medical school I'm taking too long instead of really understanding that you know what maybe that was a blessing in disguise I had time to study for my MCATs 
I took my MCATs. I got a, I received the very good score that I wanted to receive the first time. And then from there, I applied to medical schools. And I applied to the first medical schools that I uh, applied to, I got accepted to. So um, I didn't apply to every single school because with, with applications, there's only so many that you can apply to in terms of schooling. And then you have to, you know, make payments for every single one. So it's, it's, it's a financial thing too. You have to pay for every school you apply to. So for me, it didn't make sense. Why should you pay for a bunch of schools? You don't, you're not interested in attending. So I just really keened in where I want to apply to. And then I applied. And so one of my top choices was AUA College of Medicine, which I am currently at right now. And I did my research. I wanted to make sure everything was good, accreditation, like um, safety-wise location, um, everything along those lines, like their their actual, uh, what is it called, environment and, and actual curriculum, and everything aligned with what I wanted from a medical school. Um, I am from California, obviously. I'm really far from California now, which has been, a sh that, that was, that's, I would say that's the most difficult part of being away um, of my medical school journey. I would say the most difficult is being away from my family because we were talking earlier, it's, I'm very family oriented. So me being away from my family was the first semester was probably one of the roughest and toughest things I've ever had to do in life. And not to mention, then you have to, you have a workload of studying and then you're sad that you're away from your family. So it was a struggle, you know, trying to find that balance. But with time, with meeting friends and and keeping, you know, organized and, and focusing on what's important and just thank God for FaceTime and, you know, technology, I, it got better with time. But so now I'm in, you know, medical school and and it's been highly rewarding. Like it's it's definitely a difficult route in terms of, you're getting so much information. It's called information overload. In medical school, they say you, the first, I think it was orientation for us. The doctors stood up on stage and they were just like, welcome, congratulations to you all being accepted to medical school. You know, you're all future physicians. And then he said, um, you're going to be having a ton of information coming at you as if it's a, uh, like a huge amount of water coming down a fire hose. So basically we're intaking all that. And you know what? He's absolutely right. It's so much information <laughs> at one time, but the information is very, I love biology. So body, anatomy, physiology, um, chemistry, I didn't like ever. I never liked chemistry, but biology always, I love that. It. It's very fascinating and learning about anatomy, it really sticks with you. And I, I enjoy that. So if you do get to actually enjoy what you're learning, I feel like that's the best part of medicine. You get to actually learn about how your body works. And it's so fascinating to learn that. Yeah, I know. And it's, I feel like, you know, I took human anatomy and physiology in college and because I studied psychology, but I studied a lot of the brain. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is, this is really something. The more I learn, the more there is to learn. The more, the more I zoom in, the more there is to zoom in on. Like it just, <laughs> those boxes you open, there's another box inside. And then there's another box inside that. And you're like, how small can this get? But it gets very, very small. <laughs> so since we're on the subject, I'd love to just ask, 
out the gate, just do you have tips and tricks for how you memorize? I know I saw a little bit on your note taking. Um, she she has this uh, on her Instagram on in her highlight reels there some really great uh, tips and tricks uh, section where you can click on and she shows you through how she takes her notes and how she is doing things like that very organized. Do you find that being organized is is a key component to studying for med school? Absolutely, Brooke. I feel like staying organized, remaining organized, uh, just truly helps me advance my level of studying. For me personally, like I have one of my books right here and I needed to show it to you guys. It has literally all the tabs for each. <laughs> this is one of the things that I have on my highlights. When you look for something specific, it's very easy to go in and find exactly what you're looking for. And labeling, like one of my study tips is labeling and tabbing my books. So your textbook, even if it's on um, Notability, on Goodreads, on an iPad, just labeling and tabbing exactly what that specific um, area is talking about in that textbook. It's just so much more easier because I tabbed my and labeled my first aid book, which is a medical student's holy grail. That book, everything you need, your step exams, they're based on that book. So I had labeled and tabbed every single section before the semester started. That way, if I need to, if on my, because last semester I was in my, um, I just finished my neuro block. So neurology and behavioral science. And so the minute I needed to find something, I could just open it up to that specific tab that says neurology. And then I could read everything versus going through a bunch of pages. So that really helps me. I would say my organization level started becoming a lot more advanced when I got into medical school before that too. But I think, I don't know, my mom's always been organized, but me, when I was younger, I wasn't that organized. I feel like it just kind of, as I started growing, um, I became more keen with it, but keeping my study space organized and clean, I'm one of those people. And some of you guys may be able to relate, but if there's too much clutter around me, my environment does make a difference as to how I study. So if I'm in a cluttered space, it's a little bit more difficult for me to focus in. And I always need to be in an environment where I have space. So I like to have my textbooks out, my iPad out, my desktop, laptop out. And then I usually switch back and forth from my uh, laptop to my iPad and my book when it comes to uh, a specific block that we're learning. Also, another tip I'd give, like, I'd give you guys is definitely find your niche of studying because don't feel disheartened if you get into medical school in your first semester you're like oh my god what am i doing i don't know how to study because i remember my professors were telling my whole class that medical school is very very different from your undergrad so you're not going to be memorizing anymore it's that's not how it works you have to actually understand and uh, conceptualize and see everything as a bigger picture so don't get alarmed or discouraged if you feel like your study habits from your uh, undergrad isn't matching with now in medicine or in medical school, because you'll you'll get a hang of it. It just takes a little bit of adjustment. Yeah, you know, sometimes that brings up a really good point. Sometimes I actually learn more by trying to explain it to someone else. If I have a concept that I'm trying to understand, 
I try to explain it to someone else. And if I can explain it to them and they can understand it, then I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. That's what my professors say to the doctors here say, that's exactly what you need to do. And sometimes I won't have someone to say it to when I'm at home studying. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to say it to myself. <laughs> Find yourself talking to yourself, my friends, but it's okay. <laughs> um. So, okay. I have a couple questions uh, talking about, I noticed in your tabs, are they color coordinated? As well? Yes, they are. So for the so this specific book, I think I didn't have enough tabs. So this one I wasn't able to color coordinate. My USMLE first aid book, it's color coordinated. Yes. <laughs> awesome. And then have you? I I don't know exactly how this works, but do you decide on a specialty now, or does that come later? So for a specialty, some people actually before they even got into medical school, they already have a specialty in mind. And then there's some students that go into their medical journey and, you know, probably two, three years in, they won't even know until they're actually in their rotations what specialty they want to take. So for me, I'm currently um, focused on family medicine, but if I were to take a specialty, it would be dermatology because I'm fascinated with the skin and things like that. But even family medicine, I mean, I, I love it. It's well-rounded, it's diverse. So I am, it's either or that I guess I'll, I'll know more once I'm in my rotations in my derm rotations probably. And then I'll understand if I want to pursue that. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's really, that's helpful. Cause I was wondering how that worked. If you could go back and tell your younger self something you wish you knew then, or just any kind of thing you could tell your younger version of you, what, what would it be? I would tell myself to keep doing what I'm doing. And if that makes you happy, then continue to strive on what makes you happy. And by that, I mean, there's going to be negative people. There's going to be people that are going to try to discourage you that will tell you it's too difficult. It's not a route for you. You're too this, you're too that. You're not enough of something to be what you want to be. And I would say completely block all that out, block all all the noise out because you truly know what is meant for you and your destiny. So I feel like nowadays we have a lot of negativity. And although I was surrounded by my family that have been highly supportive, of course, from outside noise, you will still hear here and there like, oh, it doesn't really, you know, I don't know if she'll become a doctor. I don't know if she, uh, if medicine is for her. Oh, she, you know, uh, is too fashionable. Oh, she likes to dress instead. She should do fashion. Like you'll hear some weird things. And the truth is that has nothing to do with uh, what you have in mind to do for your future and your goal. So I would say block out the noise, remain positive and believe in yourself, have faith in what you want to do. And that's the biggest motivator. If you have belief in yourself and faith that you can do it, nothing else matters. Yeah. And nothing will stop you. If you believe you can do it, you can do it. And don't ever let anyone tell you you can't. And it's interesting that you bring that up, Zam, because, you know, we work together and we posted a picture of you. Um, I believe it was on our website or in an email and you were wearing our stethoscope and we tagged your handle and everything. And we got um, someone called customer service and was like, why don't you use real um, doctors and real um, people who are actually doing it, not just models, because you're so beautiful. <laughs> you're actually becoming a doctor. They thought that you were just like modeling with a stethoscope. And, you know, we, we kindly corrected them and just tried to remind them, you know, um, let's not judge people by what they look like and 
you know, we don't need to buy into stereotypes of what a doctor should look like or what should a doctor should dress like or wear or this and that. I mean, you would, it would, you would be so interested to hear like everybody has their own opinion and, you know, they'll say things like, oh, uh, you know, healthcare professionals shouldn't have their hair down or this or that. And, you know, I think we just need to let go of all that judgment and let people be who they are and understand that we don't have to fit inside a box. This isn't 1920. Um, you know, we can, we can be exactly beautiful and we can have our own style and our own uniqueness and still be smart and still be doctors and still help people. Um, just because we wear high heels doesn't mean we can't do it. Exactly. And I know there was a huge um, movement going on with the whole uh, women in medicine and, you know, sharing their outside normal lives on their social platforms in terms of wearing a bathing suit, or, you know, they weren't supposed to wear certain employers would tell them, okay, you can't post that. It's not professional enough. Women can be, you know, they can be stylish and they can wear high heels and they can be beautiful and they can be doctors. We don't all have to fit into some box that says this is what a doctor should look like and this is what a nurse should look like. My friends, I put my hair up not because of what we were talking about right now, but it's a little bit warm in here. So, um, but in terms of, you know, what we were talking about in, in regards to fitting a box and being a woman in medicine, I feel like it's already hard enough for a woman being in medicine. I mean, when you look at history, predominantly it was men that were in medicine. They were the physicians, they were the doctors. And it's a bit discouraging to still sometimes see that even women will put down other women that are in medicine. And we're in the healthcare field altogether. We're trying to be uh, a better person, a better individual every single day. And, you know, there is no specific looking the part in regards to being the best doctor you could be or the best healthcare professional you could be. And I know growing up, I feel like I've always been a little bit, I always loved fashion. I'm a little bit of a fashionista. I like matching things. I mean, I wasn't out in heels every day, but I was, I always liked, you know, having my nails done or having my hair, uh, whether it was up, usually my hair is up to be honest. Um, but when it is, it still looks, you know, presentable and it's put in a certain way or, um, my stethoscopes matching my clothes, you know, so that doesn't make me any less of a better future doctor than someone who doesn't do that stuff. And I think growing up, I would hear here and there, not, not necessarily directly to me, but I feel like it was more of a stigma like oh well she's too cute to be you know not just for me I'm speaking for other women as well I have friends that have colleagues that have told me the same thing that they would receive doubt just because they were a little bit more stylish or they or they liked um, something completely different from medicine or they liked art or they engaged in um like outside extracurricular activities that had nothing to do with medicine or they liked shopping or like you know things like that and I've even seen like women in medicine telling other women like, oh, she's probably not the you know smartest one, the brightest one, because she was too busy putting on her lipstick or too busy doing. I mean, it it's really shocking to see those things because and hear those things because I want to make change to that. And I'll be honest with you guys, it's not every day that uh, I'll get glitz and glam. Of course, when I'm in school, I have no problem having my hair up, being in sweatpants, being in yoga pants, no makeup on. You, you have to be confident and comfortable in your skin, regardless of who you are, whether you're in healthcare or not. Um, but there's nothing wrong also with presentation. And growing up for me, it wasn't about 
uh, putting on something on your face or your skin to make yourself feel better or for you to look better in other people's eyes. For me, I grew up learning that this is about presentation. You want to be presentable because um, you could meet an employer at a at a local coffee shop. You can meet, um, you can walk into a hospital that may be the hospital of your choice one day to work in. And so for me, it's always about presentation is key in terms of someone seeing me and saying, okay, she didn't look like she rolled out of bed today. And that's very important, you guys, for your medical journey too, because in our ICM courses, which is, it's called um, Clinical Skills Lab. And it's basically, you are the doctor in that room. We have a simulated patient. Um, sometimes they're real patients, but some of them are usually, as of now, we have simulated patients where they come in with a um, made up diagnosis. So it's like a false diagnosis, just so we could kind of, practice our skills as a future doctor. And we're groomed, we're in our white coat, our hair, yes, it does need to be up. When I'm seeing a patient, it's never down. There's certain criteria that um, in ICM and clinical skills lab, you guys will see that they do need you to be, even our nails, they're like, you can't have it long. It needs to be subtle. It needs to be well-groomed, kept. They don't want chipped nails. And it, it's it's all about presentation. Men have to wear specific socks, their tie, their white coats, their stethoscope, and your hair must be groomed. It must be nice, pulled back. So it's funny when I hear about things and see, you know, oh, she shouldn't look like that. Or, oh, she's a model. You know what? Maybe she could be a model and a doctor. <laughs> What's wrong with that? So it's interesting you say that, Brooke, because I I noticed that too. I feel like not directly, but I feel like growing up, there was always a little bit of subconsciously there. Like I could sense that some people might doubt me just because I may not look the parts, which I don't know how you're supposed to look. There is no specific look. We're all we're all diverse beings. And to be honest, me be, being interested, for example, in arts or in writing or in novel writing or things like that has nothing to do with me being less of a doctor or a future doctor one day. So I really, I'm very passionate about that because I believe that all women should be accepted and we need more diversity in medicine and all kinds of women, not just the one that looks the part, you know, because we're all talented in individuals that are intelligent. You made it to medical school. You made it to your field. That's you're smart in itself just for getting there. I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, people who want to just, like I said earlier, put you in a box, but we are multifaceted people. We have multiple ideas, talents. Uh, we have many things that make us tick and many interests and hobbies and things can be be unexpected um you know kind of talking bringing it back to earlier about growing up with brothers you know there's interest that I have that people go that's that's weird I didn't see that coming you know but it's it's just because you're making a judgment based on how someone looks and that's never a good thing we shouldn't be leading with such judgment on stereotypes and what people should and shouldn't look like based on what they are becoming or what they are um I couldn't agree more with you about that but I know that it, it has to be tough because I know that there is, I mean, just in life in general, I don't know. I feel like double standards a lot of the time. I mean, I live in Los Angeles and um, I have both a male and a female doctor that I see. And uh, the female doctor is always kind of what you talk about. She's well-groomed. She looks clean looking. You know, she looks like she didn't just roll out of bed. She took time to make sure she's presentable, um, professional, etc. But the male doctor that I see... <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Um, looks like he hasn't washed his white coat in probably three months, you know? And, um, looks like maybe he should, you know, maybe consider some health advice on being healthier himself. Um, you know, and so we're all just people, right? We're all just people trying to do the best we can, get by. And just because you're a doctor doesn't mean you're going to be organized. And it doesn't mean you're going to be the cleanest, but it doesn't mean you can't be either. It doesn't mean you can can be stylish or don't have to be stylish. We're all just, you know, experiencing life as we go through it. And you never know what people are going through. But we talk a little bit about um, in the workplace, you know, just the bullying aspect that can happen. Um, And so I would definitely love to have you on later as you get more into things and see what your experience is like as a woman, because I do think it's really important to tell that story, uh, to talk about what these experiences are like and how they differ from from male versus female and also just um, what we can do to improve that because um, the stigma of of the stereotype and just the bullying aspect that goes on I mean just from our side I, I've seen it not just with you when mm-hmm. I picture you know um but in the past when we've done things you know we have other nurses or other doctors coming forward and saying hey you know we don't actually look like that or we don't do that you know they get mad and it's just really something we have to change we can't change it if we don't talk about it and if we're afraid to talk about it then we're definitely not going to have any change absolutely we just need to stop being so judgmental and yes nice to say don't say anything at all that's what my mom taught me (laughs) <laughs> that is what my mom taught me too. I love that you mentioned that. If you have nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. That's what I live by. I will never say anything if it involves, if I don't like something, It's I'll keep it to myself. I don't need to say it out loud um, and ruin someone else's mood or day. But if I do see something I like, I always, I'm one of those people, I encourage other people. And I'm very humbly grateful for in medical school is that medical school humbles you. And I've always been, my parents have instilled in me to be humble no matter what you have, whether you have the most or the least. But medical school also humbles you because you sometimes feel like with the amount of things and knowledge you're gaining, you're like, wow, I didn't know this before. Was, you know, like, I don't, I didn't know this before. Now I'm learning it. And now, you know, it just humbles you in that sense. And for me, I've become a lot more just open and accepting because that's what I, my goal is. I want to every day become better and more open and understanding. I really hope that if anyone can take away anything from this episode, it's to learn to keep an open mind for your future patients and the people you work with and for your colleagues and for yourself. That's like one thing that you'll learn. You'll become so strong. And that's the best part of it. You'll learn that, you know what? You're amazing in your own way. You're intelligent in your own way. So that's what I actually tell to some of my friends here. They're like, I have one friend, colleague, and she'll just say, you know, if if she doesn't get the score she doesn't want to on an exam, she'll say, and you know, she'll she'll do great, but it's not as great as she'd like. That's how it is for a lot of medical students. Like, we just want to be overachievers. It's not even about passing. You want to be an overachiever mm-hmm. because of the environment you're in so if she received the score I'd be like that's great and she'd say no I feel so dumb compared to other people or compared to you know our classmates and I would look at her and I told her you're not dumb you got accepted to medical school you're this far you have passion for what you do you're intelligent so Mm -hmm. don't ever look at other people and say oh I must be you know I'm so dumb you're not you're very smart you're highly intelligent and and that's what matters if you believe in yourself so I feel like that that's my biggest takeaway too. 
Yeah, I feel like I'm really full of quotes right now, but it just <laughs> comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. Um, we compare ourselves to other people. You know, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know. You know, they could have they could have taken the MCAT four times and not passed. You just don't know what people's journey journeys are like. And so it, it's not fair to compare and comparison is the thief of joy. I always say like, keep your eyes on your own paper and just focus on yourself. And, and the only competition you have is, is who you were yesterday. And, you know, so I always try to say like, I just would try to be better than who, than yesterday. And that's my competition is myself. Um, so I think yeah. we're aligned. We're on the Brooke, you and I are on the same wavelength. That's everything you say is exactly what I try to live by. So it's so funny you mentioned that because absolutely competing, like you said, compete with yourself. You're the best version of yourself. And this is like a learning experience each and every day. I could like safely say that I've been, I mean, even before medical school, I feel like I was already mentally prepared. I'm very grateful for that. I knew what I was getting into. I knew it's a journey. I know that um, it's not easy. You know, some people might come in and say, oh my gosh, this is so hard. It's so different. Yes, it is. That's why not everyone does it because each journey is very different. Each um, learning experience is different, but you just grow as you learn. You have to, you have to be okay with learning. And, um, you know, if I had any ounce of stubbornness, it's all gone. <laughs> You take criticism very well in um in medicine and medical school. That's one thing you'll learn too. Yep. And that's how you learn is that's, you know, you need people to tell you you're doing something wrong or you could, you could do something better or where your weakness is because we can't always see our own weakness, you know? Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it just takes another person to say, hey, uh, that's not the way we do this. Actually, this is a better way. And you don't know what you don't know, right? So we're always learning, growing. Even when you're a doctor for 35, 45 years, there's probably going to still be things that you learn as you go. So we're all yeah. just, trying to learn and grow, like you say, but kind of wanted to segue into um, when we were talking about women in medicine and of the complications of that and challenges that can come with that. I know that you're involved in a nonprofit um, community outreach, AMWA, which stands for American Medical Women's Association, and you're an ambassador, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about um, what that is, what AMWA is, and um, how you got involved and what exactly you're doing there? Yes. So um, one of the organizations that I'm involved in is called AMWA and um, it's called American Medical Women's Association. There is a national and international level as well as branch levels at each medical school that has an AMWA chapter. Um, I'm also part of my school's AMWA chapter, but mainly involved more so in the uh, national and international level. I'm on the committee board for the pre-medical division. Um, and also I'm a medical mentor. So I have two mentees right now that I am in contact with to just kind of guide them and help them with any pre-medical journey or questions they have. Um, so that's my role as their mentor. And um, AMA was, you know, founded years back by women physicians. And it's uh, predominantly, it's just an organization that enables women empowerment and women in medicine. So they really focus on diversity in medicine in terms of women. So women, diversity in medicine, and just helping each other connect and just gain resources and access to resources that some women or young girls that want to pursue medicine don't have access to. 
So right now, um, I'm actually going to be giving a, um, I have a Zoom conference going on in a week with three um, high schools. So three specific high schools in different states that I'll be talking about. My specific topic is on mental health in medicine. And so um, another colleague of mine, she has like pre-med journey tips. So mine primarily involves uh, mental health and medicine because I decided to choose the topic of mental health because I feel like it's so crucial, especially for those pre-med students that are still in high school wanting to journey out in, into medical school. So when I have that, I, I set up a PowerPoint presentation for them and I'll be um, you know, presenting to them and I'll also be their kind of like their advisor too as well, because I'm one of the medical panelists. So as a medical student, they can ask me any question they have, and I'm more than happy to answer it for them. I wrote a food insecurity blog post that is even published on their page, and it was about food insecurity and women. And, you know, I just learned so much about what food insecurity is and how we can bridge the gap between food insecurity and women. And so they have, when you're in AMWAD, there's just so many articles you can write, read, uh, gain access to, and then also connect. So they we offer like MCAT's uh, discounts to annual members and things such as that that can really help women. And then we have, you know, medical conferences, annual ones, and it's just about combining and getting together like-minded women in medicine. Then I'm a part of the medical fraternity, Phi Delta Epsilon, which is a part of my school's chapter, but also they have an international and national level where it's similar. You're connecting, but it's male and females. You're connecting like-minded individuals who are pursuing to become a doctor and just really enabling them to have access to resources that uh, will aid us in the medical school process, as well as uh, even, you know, possibly residency spots, things like that, and just networking. So doing that has also been very uh, rewarding and enjoyable. That's awesome. I know you're you're so you've got so much going on. I do want to touch base a little bit on a book because you did write a book. It is available um, for you to purchase. It's on Barnes and Noble. Um, I'm sure other places as well. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired this book, um, what the book is about, and where people can find it? So the name of the book is called Reaching the Light of Consistency. I have it right here, actually. <laughs> this is the book. This is a specific one that my grandfather had actually before he passed. He wrote and cited for me. So it's in uh, it's in Farsi, but it's very near and dear to my heart because he was very uh, he was a principal of a school back in Afghanistan. So he read every single book in the library in Afghanistan. So for him to read this and write in it and say, it's an amazing piece. He wrote very metaphorical things. Like it's so near and dear to my heart. I'm so happy to have it. So um, that's the book itself. It's called Reaching the Light of Consistency. And I wrote it when I was 19 years old, but I wasn't writing in terms of publishing it. I just wrote because writing was an outlet for me. And I always enjoyed like poetry. I enjoyed writing. And so I was learning at that time I was taking, um, I was fascinated with psychology. So I actually studied psychology and human development as well. I went to UC Davis and one of the majors was psychology that I studied. And so in the book, you see, you read a lot about law of attraction, manifestation, um, living in a state of equilibrium while still maintaining your 
self-identity and being remaining consistent. And I think that's why I, I've discussed, we've talked about consistency and being yourself a lot in this episode, because my book was a lot about being an Afghan American young woman while still trying to live my Western life and accepting myself. Because at that age, I was in a predicament of who am I? What is my purpose in life? And I feel like a lot of us in adolescence, we question our identity. We ask ourselves, what is my purpose in life? And that was me. I was kind of like, in a, I guess you, you could say a little bit of a funk. I was wondering, what's my journey? What's my purpose? What is my calling here? And so I turned to writing and years along the line, when I was, um, when I obtained my bachelor's at Davis, I met an author, which happened he read my manuscript and he was like you know what you should get this published it can help other people especially people who come from a different background you know because they can relate to it more so being first gen um not just afghan american but any type of ethnic group and um so i published it and then went through the editing process with the company published it and now it's uh sells on barnes and noble as well as amazon i've had people tell me like oh i read it in one sitting because i kept it's a page turner mm -hmm. so it's great for those who don't enjoy reading or don't have time reading or also or even for the book lovers or someone that just loves the mind or someone that can relate and comes from a different background or someone who doesn't know about Afghans too much and they want to know about the mind of an Afghan girl and how it works. So um, it's about living a state of equilibrium and living in a balanced, consistent lifestyle because in order to reach that equilibrium and go through the self process of, you know, self-actualization, you need to remain consistent with yourself and with your beliefs and with who you are. So that's primarily what the book is about. I think balance is something that you can definitely bring into, I mean, all of it, consistency, balance, um, positivity, power of thought, um, staying in the moment, all of those things I think can contribute and help you through your journey now, but also something that's great for life, no matter what you're doing with your life to keep in mind, because we can get so caught up in um, all the things that we have to do that we can get lost in the things that keep us grounded and help us come back to zero to keep our mental health and our physical health and our emotional health at balance so that we can be there for other people. Because if we don't have that consistency in our own life and our daily life, if we can't find that, then we can't really help other people as much as we would be able to if we could just balance ourselves. So I know um, a family is really important. Obviously, you love to write. Um, you're really passionate about um, helping people and um, obviously medicine. Um, we talked a little bit about fashion. Um, do you have any other hobbies or interests that we didn't touch base on that you'd like to tell us a little bit about what you do for fun or what you enjoy doing? Is there, do you like to cook or, I mean, I love to eat, so. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, actually, it's funny. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of cooking too much. Um, I do know how to cook. I make Afghan dishes. So, which is great. You know, my parents, amazing cooks. I wish you could have their food. Maybe one day, Brooke, one day you'll have to, um, I mean, I'm originally from California, so we'll need some meat, but they make amazing food. I cook well, I would say I cook well, but not as well as my parents, like hands down. Um, so I do cook, but I don't know why I just don't really enjoy cooking. For me, it's so funny. I enjoy, I take more pleasure in 
cleaning and organizing. And this was not always me. I, I feel like when I moved out on my own for school, I feel like that's when I had more, I had to, you know, have more accountability for myself. Mm -hmm. And I decided like, okay, cleaning and stuff has been therapeutic for me. So I love keeping like organized, clean, and I love aesthetic things. So if it looks pleasant to the eye, I will gravitate to it. Even my notes, my everything. I mean, in class, my notes look like a hot mess. I mean, it's it's horrible. But when I go back, when I if I can take my time, I try to make it a little bit nicer because personally, I can um, grasp the information and material better that way. But for my hobbies, I really, I mean, my number one hobby is honestly like hanging out, spending time with my parents and brothers and my sister-in-law, my niece. My niece is always glued to me whenever she's with me. Um, whenever they visit, but I love it. I love quality time with my mom is like shopping, going, having lunch together, um, dinner together, going to the movies with my family. That's my like main hobbies. And then my other one was, yeah, like writing here and there, but lately I, I don't have as much time to write. I first made my Instagram page and my social platform. It wasn't for, um, any purpose it was just like a personal page and then I started noticing I was like well let me just journey and blog my medical journey maybe it'll like I saw some cool awesome amazing pages out there I was like this is so inspiring let me start doing it so I started doing that and then it just took off and I got to network and meet amazing people amazing companies and brands that genuinely align with my values and their products I purchase myself. So it's not like I would be talking about something I don't like. When I talk about these amazing stethoscopes, it's because I genuinely love them. <laughs> so I always, some people will ask me and I say, no, no, I will not, I will not vouch for something I don't personally use myself. And so like social media has been actually, even the, some of the sponsorships and everything, even though they have deadlines and sometimes it could get a little bit stressful in terms of balancing school deadlines, you know, social media and things. It's also my hobby. And I'm so happy that it's something I actually enjoy because it's kind of my outlet. So if you see me on social media a little bit, it's because that's kind of my outlet when I'm like away from studies. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's really inspiring because, you know, People can watch what you're going through. You share a lot of great knowledge on there, tips and tricks and study habits and also just like day in the life stuff and what you're going through. Um, it's really inspiring to see. And I think you can tell when a social media account is there for another reason. And you yours is definitely very positive. You can tell that you're there because you're, you love doing what you do and you just want to share your life and you want to share what you're going through in your journey and your knowledge. Um, so we really appreciate you. Um, and would you mind now that we're on the subject, can you, um, for everyone who's listening and watching, can you tell everyone your social media handles and then also just spell it out so that anyone listening can hear how to spell it? Yes. So you guys can find me. My Instagram handle is medzam underscore. So it's M E D Z A M underscore. I have my podcast channel too. It's called enlighten your mind. So it's enlighten, you know, E-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N, and then your, Y-O-U-R, and then there's spaces in between, and then mind, M-I-N-D. But you'll find that also on my, um, in my bio, on my Instagram page. I want to really connect like mind and body medicine. I, I believe if you're mentally healthy and happy and emotionally well, that will impact and influence your body 
greatly. And I, I really want to bridge that gap between mind and body medicine one day. Yes. And if your mind is right, then that only makes you want to take care of your body more. If that makes sense. When I'm having a bad day, I'm going for the bad things. I'm like, I need a Pepsi and like (laughs) decisions with my life. But when I'm mentally doing well, it's like, oh, maybe I'll have like a green juice today and, you know, go an extra mile on my walk or whatever it is, you know? (laughs) So exactly. Your body are definitely connected. Your mind tells you to do things sometimes that you maybe shouldn't be doing um, when you're having. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Sam, I have to ask, um, what are your needs for a stethoscope? Yes, I have about four MDF instrument stethoscopes so far, but my by far my two favorites are, okay, I have to show it to you guys too. It's the Procardio Titanium Stethoscopes. It's the white glitter and the pink glitter. And I have to say, these are beautiful stethoscopes. Not only are they aesthetically uh, like, you know, appealing, but the quality of these, I feel like when it comes to a stethoscope, you want to go for something that has amazing uh, sound quality. So the procardial stethoscopes and the fact that it's titanium, I feel like it's just a lot more sturdy with the MDF instrument stethoscopes. I've tried Litman before, and to be honest, I've never tried any other one. And once I went to MDF, I really didn't go back to any other one. I feel like as a future, even when I become the doctor, I'm just going to stick with my MDF instruments because these stethoscopes, they're very durable. And then, like I said, the procardial one, I just feel like the sound quality when I'm listening to like one of our simulated patients, their heartbeats and stuff, like it's just so much more amplified than a regular stethoscope or like one that I've actually purchased off of Amazon before. And it was, you know, no brand in specific, but um, I genuinely really look for those two in stethoscopes. So like quality, sound quality, and then durability. And when when it's stylish as well, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. So it goes back to what we're talking about, right? Like how you can be all the things you don't have to just be a boring stethoscope. You know, you can, you can have a little pizzazz, a little personality and also still work well and have high quality. So, I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, but we strive for that as well. Well, Zam, thank you so much for joining our crafting wellness podcast. It's been such a pleasure having you on. We're going to have to have updates in the future as you go through medical school, but we're so proud of you. Keep going. And we're really looking forward to hearing back more how how it's going in the future. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. And thank you to all of you guys for tuning in to this episode. I'm so humbled and happy to be here. And I hope to network with you guys again soon and just, you know, reach for the stars. (laughs) 